Hello, sixes. Welcome back to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagey. Today, I have a conversation with another six. Of course, this is Sam Taroni, and we cover a few different sixy topics really under the umbrella of how do we get through life with our sixy selves in ways that really work for us. So we share a lot of tips, we share some Enneagram theory, and it's a fun one. I really hope you enjoy it. All right, sixes, I have a very fun conversation today. I'm not going to call it an interview, Sam, because I really think we're just going to converse. Don't you think? think so. Yeah. 100%. So welcome, Sam. Give me your proper last name since I know you by two different last names. Taroni. Sam Taroni. Okay. Samantha Taroni. Dear friend, so I feel like every time I do a conversation, there's the part where I have to confess my panic at the beginning of the relationship, which is a hilarious thing I've realized about myself as I've done conversation after conversation. I'm like, oh, wow, there was a point where I was panicking. And so I have one with you. <laughs> oh, so we, you were in my Facebook group and you'd pop in occasionally with really wise, deep, wonderful things to say. And so I always had you on a bit of a pedestal. Oh, and then I found out you were British. And so you even sound, you know, really smart. <laughs> um, so I just had you on a pedestal and then we ended up doing the same trauma-informed Enneagram certification that we're both currently in. We've been in that six, seven months at this point. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think so. So when I found out you were in that certification, I completely panicked because, yeah, because every time I just learned this about myself and it may, I have a sadness with it. I also can laugh at it, but it's like, as soon as I think, oh no, I'm going to connect with someone who knows things, which I very much had you in that camp, right? Someone who knows things is really deep and really smart. I just automatically am like, it's something, you know, you're going to mess it up. They're going to see that you're, uh, I don't know, like a fraud, right? This seems, this is such a theme for me that I'm pulling out of like, wow, I really have this panic of like imposter reveal that comes up first thing. So that happened. Of course, it's all been lovely, but I just wanted to share that with you. What do you think about that? I think that's really um, funny. And I had absolutely no clue that, um, that, that 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 was going on. So, you know, you you, you handle it very graciously, very gracefully. Um, yeah. I really, I didn't know that was happening. And, and I think what you probably don't fully appreciate is that you know, there's a fair bit of um, kudos attached to your work. And um, I, well, I was delighted to feel that I was going to be in connection and especially us being the two sixes in the group. I mean, that's I just been awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we six out in there. Don't we? we six right out. We do, which maybe we'll talk a little bit about. We'll see. Okay. So yeah, that's our meeting story. And then we, you know, we're in the certification together. Now we talk all the time. We've become very close, very strong supports for each other. And it's just wonderful. 
And we have a lot, obviously, in common as sixes. And we also have a lot of, I think, kind of profound differences in the ways that we process things, our pacing, the different places our intensity comes out. So it'll just be fun. I think, I really think fun for people to hear just how these things play out for us. Yes. And a few particular sixty topics that I have that we've talked about. So the other thing before we get into those, I just want to give you a moment to talk about the work that you do. Sam has such a specifically, I would say, like creative earth-bound connection that you draw on in your work. It is just so, it's so different than how I operate. And I just think it's beautiful and lovely. So you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, I could talk a little bit about it. Uh, thank you. Um, so I call it the soul shed mm-hmm. and there is an actual shed in my garden where it kind of started. Um, and it's um, it's kind of where I go, where I want to have um, connection with myself um, and the things that I've discovered that helped me do that kind of happen there. Um, and I guess we'll probably talk about that more later yeah. about the actuals. But um, so it's a place for this kind of inner, inner work and dialogue, but it has become something that I've started to share. I mean, in the last few years, it's become my offering back out mm-hmm. into the world. I think that that's kind of what happens, isn't it? We do something and we find it works for ourselves and we think maybe this might reach somebody else and it might have some wider value um, than just being what gets me through um, doing being a human. Um, So it's a kind of essentially a space for joining the dots between your felt sense, your intuitive creativity um, and your imagination. and it's a kind of a way that I believe we can reclaim pieces of our own life force energy mm. by doing creative practices. Um, Which as sixes, I think we give away pretty readily that life force energy. I think that's something that. Oh, wow. Do yeah. You, like we're just, we toss that around because, because we don't trust ourselves to kind of claim it, be with it. So it's these practices and maybe we should start there. I had that kind of toward the end, but I think this something I know about you that I just respect so much is you like a commitment to your personal practice, like a commitment Mm. to, I know there are things that I can do to, Mm. as you just so beautifully said, reclaim my life force, maybe not even realizing that it has been tossed about tossed out. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I do have, I have a daily, a daily practice. And then I have kind of practices that I pull in as I go along. My daily practice now is a yoga and breathwork practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never thought that I could have a daily practice. Um, So I identify as being um, self-preservation instinct last. Um, Same, same. this whole routinized life thing, bit of a mystery. Um, (laughs) um, And also not something I really enjoy very much. So I guess I sidelined it as much as I could and um, married someone self-preservation first, as I believe you did too. Yep. 
Um, <laughs> so good strategies right there. Um, but I have managed to knock out this um, this daily um, practice now in in breath work and 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 I do it now not because I think I should have a daily practice and I get it in that duty thing. I get it because I actually viscerally need the state change that it mm. gives me. Yeah. I, I am a different person when I go in to that practice and and I pop out cooked 40 minutes later or whatever. And <laughs> I am, then life is somehow manageable. And all the yeah. things that I've woken up with my brain going, oh, and this person, and, you know, this bit of my life, and I've gone into some, you know, quagmire. I mean, I'm really, I should probably do the practice before I do any thinking at all. Um, (laughs) If that were possible, (laughs) the brain gets going pretty quickly (laughs) for me. Um, But it's, but I do that and it genuinely has become part of who I am and and my mm. breathing I believe now is a lot more regulated and I think that having more regulated breathing just because I'm practicing every day even when my breathing is just doing itself which obviously breathing cracks on quite happily without <laughs> me paying any attention to it what a relief um, <laughs> it's good like that um but even when I'm not paying attention to it I I, I just check in with it occasionally and think God, you know, it's quite regular. It's quite even. It's and that's surely helping me stay more regulated than I used to. It can't not, right? Like it, it one hundred percent is part of. I mean, we know that it's kind of like um, there's so much chicken and egg. I think with breath and anxiety and but I mean, we're always trying to isolate things as humans, right? I want to understand this piece and this piece and this piece, but yeah. we know for sure there's a relationship between dysregulation and breath. That's just the truth. And so when we can do our part to impact that regulation, we're just going to have more capacity. There is an ownership in everything you're saying that I can impact my own state. Yeah. And, And not that I should, but I can. And if I can, I want to. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I I just, so there's something very, there's something very mature about that because as sixes, automatically, I think we, we are trying to get the state change by going out, right? By trying yes. to see something that's not uh right or something that's scary or whatever in a, in another person. And we're, we're trying to go out and we're trying to manage something externally to get that state change. Yes. But we don't know that's what we're doing. We don't have this like global awareness of until we do, until we do of, oh, I think I am trying to feel better by trying to make something out there be different. Someone yes. out there be different. Um, so does that resonate with you? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Listen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you've, you've nailed that. And this whole idea of 
I, I believe honestly that I, I find it very hard to not be in dialogue with something um, at any moment. And it, it seems to be that this outward, outward movement, outward movement and bringing it back in and then putting it out and bringing it back in this, yeah. this call and response yeah. that I'm kind of in, yeah. in with reality is I, I don't know if I can not do that so in a in a way what i have learned to do in 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 the meantime while i wait for that moment where i'm so zen i don't have to i i choose what i'm in dialogue with and for me being in dialogue with my breath being in dialogue with um people who where the the energy feels good yeah <laughs> rather than the energy feels something that i can't i feels very I don't know, not good. Let's just call it yeah. not good. I won't. And <laughs> when the energy feels good, I love being in dialogue with other humans. Um, but I found that being in dialogue with nature um, is um, pretty fail safe. Mm. Um, so I can go out and I can, um, you know, bear witness to a tree and imagine fully and um, invite that tree to bear witness to me. And be in a kind of um, in that dialogical loop with a tree um, and know that that will afford me a kind of a state change, too. Um, obviously, it's on a different level. It's, um, it's a different. These things are these things are different. But I think the me central mechanism is is the same. I'm trying to sort of seed myself mm. with the things in the environment, the things around me, that I can be in that kind of, I guess, a, 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 a soulful connection that feels mutually resourcing or. I was just going to say resourcing. I think I, what I hear you saying is I have ways, places that I know I can resource from, which is really a beautiful way of not only accessing inner resourcing, but truly building it up as opposed right. to, again, this thing we do where we're looking outside for resourcing. I hear you saying, oh, I just love this so much because it's like, let's not be different than we are. We are externally focused. We want to go out and bring it back in. Like you just said, that looping like, let's not tell ourselves that's bad or wrong or need to stop that. How, what are the most creative ways we can live well in that loop? There's yes. people that we know we can go to. You also know, okay, if I go in and I be with my breath and I dialogue with it, I'm going to feel better. If I go out into nature and I dialogue with nature, I'm going to feel better. So it's not it's just such a different frame, right? It's not like, well, don't do 60 things. It's yeah. how do I absolutely embrace what I know about me and really work with it, use it for me? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's something about the, the way that it also really feeds my um, curiosity too. Um, mm. Because if um if i kind of get hooked into having some sort of dialogical space with 
with perhaps perhaps there'll be an archetypal image okay because i do a lot of collage as well and there may be something that's happening i've felt very pulled toward a, towards a particular image and then i spend time in in dialogue with that i feel then i'm allowing it to be my teacher mm. and and i suppose this this whole thing we have a six as well about you know externalizing authority <laughs> um that that little you know, thing that little little nugget. Um, I suppose what I'm trying to do almost is co-opt that back into the, the the matrix as being a resource as well. Because that's good. If 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 this if this um, experience with moss was another thing I got very into, as you know, for quite mm-hmm. a while, and I was spending a lot of time with not moss in the way of wow, what can this what can this incredible green stuff teach me about doing life that mm. as a human I just don't automatically get? And and it turns out, Kristen, I can tell you, Moss has got quite a lot going on that's mm. quite useful for humans, in my humble opinion. I, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to believe you. Yes. I, I So while Sam does all this beautiful work with Moss and whatever else, I know Sam very well. So I shame myself that I don't do as much as you do, but I'm learning to just learn from you instead of, Kristen, you need to spend time with the moss and you need to, instead of listening to that, (laughs) I love learning from you about these things. It's so nourishing. Can I just tell you one thing about moss that I think is is really good for for, for sixes and probably for humans, but (laughs) definitely, definitely for me. Anyway, let's bring it back. But um, turns out that every single aspect of moss is completely designed to um, have this propensity for water because um, mm. it, it, it's 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 everything about it is is geared so that when the rain comes and it becomes full, it soaks up all the it soaks up all the moisture. And and then it does its growing and then it becomes a resource for for other life because other life can start yep. grow it, in the absence of soil, of a layer of soil. It, um, it can grow and become a kind of a version of of soil. So it, it resources other life. But the other thing it does is when it's not raining, it just waits um, it's got this thing. It could wait for 30 years. Some sorts of moss can wait for 30 years dry in this kind of state of dormant, waiting for the rain to come. Not mm. making a fuss about it, just sitting quietly on on, <laughs> on the log. Not dramatising the whole episode. Just waiting for its moment. The rain comes and then it goes, right, off I go. Um, I mean, what about that for wise So speaking of moss, (laughs) I live in Texas now and there's all kinds of weird moss here, but I grew up in the Northwest, which is a very similar climate to where you live, the Pacific Northwest, like Washington state is where I grew up, very similar climate to England. And so there are forests up there. We're going again this summer where they're literally just full of moss. I will take so many pictures for you because it's the most gorgeous and doesn't it create yes the environment that it creates is and the peace magical yeah the peace Peace. in the body i mean i think this is something that i'm thinking about so much is 
I think our sexy way, right, is like up into the head and out into what's scary, right? Up yeah. and out. What's scary? What's the threat I'm perceiving? How is that person doing that? And we want to go up and out to fix. And I think yes. like what you have created for yourself and what I'm so working on is like, no, there's a directional miss there. We go up and out. We need to come back in and down. And this is something I'm just to myself, it's becoming like a mantra, like in and down, in and down. I want to yes. root. I want to be uh, with earth and with life because me just going up and out, uh, it doesn't feel good. It's not yeah. nourishing. And I tend to get into things that are not mine to get into. Right. Should we pivot a little bit to like... Mm -hmm control, we can just kind of call it mm. what it is because we're trying to, I don't, I don't, you're going to have better words for it than I am. It's like, we're trying to keep, this is also being an attachment type, right? We're trying to keep everything together. Yes. We're trying to keep uh, a hold of things. What we don't realize, I think, is we are saying it's got to be at my pace. It's got to be in my way. It's got to be in the way that makes sense to me. I think we're missing that we're doing that. What do you think? Yeah, I've had this I've had this little hunch that people might be functioning on slightly different timelines to me also. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes when those timelines, you know, when they sync, I mean it's just it's just wonderful, isn't it? When our mm -hmm. when our timelines sync, they're just it's it's incredible and magic happens and and sometimes someone come, can come in on a different pace or a different beam of energy, and 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 then and then there's sort of then there's a piece of work to do. Unless I'm in some sort of grounded place where I can actually respond, rather than have to go through that whole you know reactive episode. Um, Let's before. talk about reactivity, okay? Because a lot of our control comes from reactivity. Now we know I went off on a whole thing in our shared community space the other day about the word reactivity. Um, yes. Okay. So super quick Enneagram theory, right? There are three, the Enneagram is a system of threes in all these different ways. And the group we're going to be talking about here is the harmonic group. And this tells us how we cope with conflict basically what like what happens when we don't get what we want riso and hudson describe it as the fundamental way that our personality defends against loss and disappointment sixes with eights and fours are in the quote reactive triad and the sort of quick and dirty of that is whenever there is a a thing that happens basically the first thing that we bring to it is reactivity as opposed to a positive outlook or um competence right relational competence those are the other ones so i went on a whole thing about the word reactivity because it gets weaponized particularly against women yeah Okay. So oh, yeah. the word, because you just don't hear people like, oh, he overreacted. And you don't really hear men saying that about themselves too much necessarily either, even though we all know, we all have eyes and ears and 
can look around. But who is saying, oh, I overreacted. I am too reactive, et cetera, et cetera. It's generally women. So I'm not a whole thing about it. And I do try to be really careful with the words that we use because how does it feel to say I'm reactive, yeah. right? Okay. So all that said, <laughs> there's some accuracy there. <laughs> with that little qualifier. Yeah. yeah. And I also want to say at some point, apparently Russ Hudson came along and changed the name of the reactive triad to the emotional realness triad, which we really kind of talked through. Mm-hmm. And what landed for me was, oh, okay. For sixes and eights and fours, whatever our present emotional state is becomes the most important thing in the room. And we think unconsciously that it should be for everybody else too. What do you think about that? It's like, here's my feelings. It's the biggest thing. It's certainly what I'm oriented to, but I don't necessarily know that or own that yet. So here it is. I think that's what emotional realness is. What do you think? Yeah. Gosh, that's, um, that's interesting. Can you say more? Because I, yeah, I need to catch up because where I think I was when that, that, that conversation was going on was I was, I was going between the fact that I know when I hear reactivity, I can very easily go into self-shaming. Exactly. And when I hear um, emotional realness, I can go into something that I actually quite enjoy about myself, which is my capacity be to be quite direct and to to call out bullshit yep. and to um, think that speaking the truth is usually something that needs to happen mm-hmm. and maybe getting slightly more graceful about how <laughs> I do that and maybe my timing um, on when I do it mm-hmm. and to whom and, you know, all of the nuancy bits. Yep. But I basically in that in that frame, um, I can sit under that label and feel good. And as soon as I go over into the reactivity, I'm, I'm totally with you. I feel I feel like I'm feeling judged and then I'm also judging myself. Right. And I'm and I'm not allowing and I'm doing the opposite of your whole project of, you know, calling out the anti-self action of self-inhibition, I think, you know, that can be the sitting in reactivity label can be very, very self-inhibiting. Yeah. I think that's that's what I've got at this point in in what you're saying. Whereas I think we drop reactivity as a word, we own emotional realness as an automatic strategy that has kind of the good stuff that you just said, but also the real downside, which is that my emotions in any given moment are totally co-opting the space. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily know that mm-hmm. until I know that. Similarly, we can go to the positive, uh, whatever it's called. It sounds great. <laughs> it sounds positive. These are our sevens, twos, and nines. What we also know, when I am around a nine, who cannot handle my emotional realness and is trying to positive me out of my experience, that positivity is experienced by me 
frankly, is aggression. I mean, I cannot even, <laughs> can not even. So that, yes, with the positive, yeah, we can see the like, flip side. So this is yeah. why I think emotional realness, it's not to make it better. Mm-hmm. It's to give us a different frame of there's pluses and there's real minuses. Mm-hmm. And to me, the minuses, I live with my emotions being the thing that we all kind of have to navigate. Yeah, definitely. Um, The emotional realness also, I think for me gets complicated because I've got quite a lot of four going on in my tri type. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've got, I've got, um, and I've got eight. So there's kind of double bubble, triple, triple triple bubble. Um, And I think that, you know, we've had conversations about around this, these sort of differences with tri-type when you've got kind of different centers kind of having different orientations and yes. adopting different different ways of doing things. But yes. if I've got emotional reactivity or um, realness going on on all these different fronts, uh, it can be very hard to see the wood for the trees. And that might be why I'm struggling to quite, get a handle on this whole thing because it's not like I've got I've got maybe some positive stuff going on or some competency stuff going on somewhere else I've got the whole <laughs> I've got the whole whoosh I could say a bit about what that's like please if that's, please if that's I, if yes. that's useful totally. so um so just to kind of get everybody on the board like we've we've div, we've divin we've dove we've we've dived into <laughs> tri-type here which we're pretty all up in let's yes. be real right? I'd say we're all up in it, in our course and in our chats. So Sam identifies as six in the head center, four in the heart center, and eight in the gut center. And there you go. Take it away. And we've discussed these are all the three numbers that are in this emotional realness um, triad. So your automatic strategies in each center is going to be the same. Which is yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like next? whoosh, like whoosh. Go out to it, um, and and meet it with that, yeah, whatever that internal experience is, but on different kind of footings. So my um, so my emotional realness in my in my six is, I guess, reacting and um to a perceived what's the perceived threat going on in this situation. And then um, often my my four in my heart center very quickly will go into a, um, and helped by my my six as well, um, (laughs) into a sort of a shame space Mm. of, um, oh, what's wrong with me? I shouldn't be be reacting like this. I shouldn't Mm. be, I shouldn't be feeling this. And then, my, you know, there's an inner critic thing going on in the six, which is quite supporting all of that going on. Yeah. Uh, and they will very quickly come out with my, with my four, I'll start self-storying and I'll mm-hmm. start, I'll start storying the whole situation um, and applying my, you know, capacity to get deep into some sort of emotional understanding of everybody's reality in the situation. And then I'll be kind of getting a bit tripped out on that. Yes. 
And then my gut center doing its eight will be completely frustrated by this nonsense that's going on in the six <laughs> and the four. And we'll be going, West, but what are we going to do about this, Sam? How are we going to sort this out once and for all? And how are we going to get back in control of the whole game? Oh, and <laughs> yeah. so there's like, it's just a complete, you know. And having all that going on in a relational space. Right. Something yeah. happens. Someone comes in. You said it so well earlier. Someone comes in on a different plane or a different pace or something. And then all three centers of yours having this thing going on. Yeah. And, yeah. and gosh, how much then do we want to, of course, go outside of us to feel better? It just yes. makes all the sense in the world that when all of that sort of you know, internal discomfort is happening, we would think, well, that's obviously been caused externally because people mm -hmm. and all the things that we're seeing and storing about and yada, yada, yada. And so mm -hmm. obviously I need to go out and figure something out or fix something out there to calm all of this that's going on inside. Yes. It can become almost impossible to take a position of of not doing, I think, in that. Mm, and that's when yes. um, actually going, I have to interrupt this to find there has to be some sort of witnessing piece of me that can interrupt this whole shenanigans. Yes. And say, now's when you have to go and walk in the woods. Okay, now's when you have to text Kristen. <laughs> but there's such an ownership there. Again, it's an ownership. When you said, you know, these shenanigans, that's an ownership of, wow, I've got a lot going on inside. I've got to do something to interrupt what I have going on. And I just, to me, that is the, that is the growth because it's when the, the focus just stays out. Yes. That there's no, it's that thing I was talking about earlier, right? Like up and out, up and out. When we can pull it back in and say, I have something going on. There's a lot here. I need to enact one of my strategies to regulate. And then I can oh, approach yeah. this, whatever the heck, again. Yes. Yeah. So yes. it's not that we don't get totally off balance. Yeah. We are going, I, I just think we're going to get totally off balance uh, yeah. in life because of all these things. I do not think the work is fix that. I think the work is, can I really notice and own when that's happening? And then do I have some strategies to get my attention back to a place where I can create the state change, which is how you've been speaking about these different practices. Like when I do these things, I get enough of a state change that then I have a different brain to bring to yes. the thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so what our tri-type gives us is real good, I mean, so many things, but one of them is real good insight on what is my automatic strategy in these different centers, what do I have to lean on? And if it if it leans real heavy one way, it's real mm -hmm. good to know. That's mm -hmm. really good information. Mm -hmm. And also that 
archetype of that particular tri-type, the truth teller, I think is such a beautiful archetype. Like it's this intuitive seeker, creative, you know, kind of fiery. It's just wonderful. Actually. Yeah. I think that's the truth teller. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's, it's got some things I've really um, feel good about. Um, I, I do love the fact that I want to um, be true to truth. Um, mm. um, but I've learned, you know, through really hard experience that being the, you know, the universal whistleblower um, <laughs> can have its own, can it have its own challenges? <laughs> and I've got, you know, I've I've had to live some, I've had to live some difficult stories when I've I've done that um and I've had to live the consequences of doing that and 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 recognize that there's a high personal cost with being on that kind of a a mission <laughs> um and and there's also choice um to actually have choice Maybe there's not a hundred percent choice. Maybe there's always going to be a kind of a leaning in that yeah, yeah. direction. But there's a so when do you when do you say something? How do you say it? In what in what with what level of emotional intensity do you point this thing out? Gosh, which do I you, think you're so brilliant at, by the way. I just think sometimes I just marvel at your abilities there. Yeah. But it's because I've I've been so burnt by doing it <laughs> the other way. And coming in, you know, coming in like all guns blazing. Yes. And then and then the backlash of that and the aftershocks. I mean, we've talked about aftershocks sometimes. Oh you know, gosh. When you, you yes. when you blow up all the energy and then or even you blow, even you expose your own your own internal energy. No one else might have even seen it, but the exposure of that Ugh. is can be brutal. Well, so okay. I try and avoid that quite Gosh, often. It's a whole nother conversation. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when I have two thirds of that, right? So I have six, three, eight. Yes. So I have two thirds of the, you know, I'm going to blow the shit up and tell it like it is. And I also have this over, um, the competence piece is good. It's useful. I like it, but it, it, it just carries me forward. I don't know, without a lot of thought until later. And there's right. that blowback piece because, because my six, of course, of course, first and foremost doubts me and on the back end doubts me for sure. Yes. But that three and that eight are this drive and energy that like I can't, it, it's almost um, an impulsivity. It's like, I can't not do things, yeah. which I'm thankful for because they override the six very frequently. But then on that back end, yes, it's like, it comes back. It is yeah. so intense. And I really, really think that this is a part okay so when we when we look at things and we look at before the thing and during the thing and after the thing i think six is having strategies for after the thing and yes. knowing what our brains will do to us is crucial to keep us taking 
forward yes. steps in life. Uh, we ha- that's something I've really got that from your work. That's something that's been such a a learning I've absorbed from just being around you is 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 realizing realizing that and and preempting those and knowing that yes. it's going to be hard afterwards and building like you say building something in the other thing people don't and i've learned this from being in our class people do not understand what self doubt really is the way that we deal with it they have they're totally clueless to it just like we can't understand i assume because we just can't of course i want to be like we're sixes we under we can understand everything but like we cannot understand what it's like to inhibit other types. They don't know how terrified we are on the front end, how much work we have to do to like build ourselves up to do anything. <laughs> and then how much we take ourselves out on the back end. They they just don't con- they can't conceptualize it. No. So so why do we do anything in the middle, Kristen? That's the question. Why how do things get done? <laughs> I know. How do we do anything? And I leave the house. I really think that there is this thing in six, the the truth seeking that is six. I think it's relentless. Mm -hmm. I think it's like this beautiful seed. And we're we're our directionality again. I just so I'm like direction. What's my direction? Because I think directionality, we're trying to go out to find truth. But we're so committed to it. And again, what we're needing to do sort of holistically is go in and really connect with, I mean, it sounds so cliche these days, but connect with our truth and grow it, right? Find the seed, nurture it, grow it and share it. Yes. As opposed to, is it you? Is it you? you? But I think that relentless pursuit of truth Yes. You stopped in six. I think it's absolutely, it's an engine. It's a little engine. Oh, what do you think? I think that's beautiful. And I think it's true. And, and I also think that it's, it's connected with heart as well. Mm. Um, because when those moments happen, when I do feel on purpose and I'm, I'm sharing things and connecting on those deeper levels with other humans and and with other life forms and um and when I'm kind of you know in that creative flow all of those places it's like oh gosh that was worth it it was worth all the angst and then afterwards uh afterwards after the the aftermath um (laughs) after the aftermath has happened and I've kind of back in some sort of you know regulated place then it's like, right, what are we doing next then? Seriously. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this is why part of our work is to find purpose. And I don't mean that in terms of like, what's my purpose? As if there's like some singular path that we're supposed to find. Like if anything anxiety inducing, it's that idea, right? <laughs> You've got one purpose. One You've path. got one chance. Yeah. Or, or else it's a nightmare of a theory. I just believe in connecting to purpose. What are the things, what are my values? What are my stakes in the ground in life? What is really important to me? And can I, some, there's a word that's come up in some of my 6 research lately and it's devotion. Sixes are devoted. 
So what, what are we devoted to? Can we choose that instead of sort of letting that devotion just be in reaction to what scares us, who happens to show up in our face, belief systems we happen to be handed because we'll, we'll grab that loyalty, but it's not, it's like until we've chosen what we're devoted to, it's, I don't want to say it's not genuine. That's not fair, but it's, um, it's not chosen. I'll just say it simply like that until we've chosen what we're devoted to. It's kind of getting, uh, blasted out. Yes. Scattergum. Yeah. 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 So what do you think of that word? I had a big smile on my face as I heard it. It felt like a, it felt like a really soothing heart word. Yeah. And that is how it feels. It just, it just, I just drop in, you know, that's yes. the word. It's a drop in, a drop in down and back. Because it's an orientation, which is another thing that you and I've talked about a lot. And what I think, I think the six core fear that does not get enough airtime is uh, it's fear of lack of secure orientation. So it's yes. not just like security. It's what am I oriented to? And we have yeah. this core fear of not knowing what I'm oriented to. And so yes. building that on purpose, I think that's the work of six. What am I oriented to on purpose? What am I devoted to? And then it, to your point, it kind of all becomes worth it. Like, why do I have a business? Mm. Why have I managed the emotions for so many years of growing this business because of my devotion to sixes and my own healing? Like that is the singular path that makes the utter internal drama and pain worth it. Yes. And you can, you can, I can feel that. I can feel that heart in, in your work. And I, it's, it it kind of beams out of it. And I think it it creates um, a field where other people can kind of come and (sighs) have a little sigh, have a little, know that they're in a space where that's happening. You know, people Mm. are, are doing this kind of, are doing this work, but it's a, there's a, just a, there's just a whole tenderness around the field that that work creates, it seems to me. So thank you for saying that. Do you Mm -hmm. relate to the devotional piece when you're talking about, or when you're experiencing soul collage and all this work that you do? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, with anything, and and these kind of um, projects that kind of people do, um, and in this case I'm doing, without a clear sense of how it is going to completely work in my life. I mean, there's a lot of risk in it, a lot of unknowns, a lot of things that my six thinks is an absolutely disastrous idea. <laughs> and and yes, I and yes, I've you know I've put my day job right in the sidelines I you know I still do a little bit of my day job to kind of pay my bills Mm -hmm. and that's self-employment too so I've kind of always been a self-employed person and I kind of keep that I keep that going just to keep me feeling safe and secure enough that I've you know I can hold up my end and pay my bills Mm -hmm. do my SP bit (laughs) um 
the main event, if you like, is me rolling along on, on these kind of waves that you're talking about of terror, devotion, and then terror. <laughs> and then, and then what's that last one though? Because there is that like, what is it though? When it's like, oh, it's all worth it. What's that wave? Yeah. What is that? We have yeah. to name it. Yeah. It's it kind of like, it. it's like it relief. Mean. It's like, I don't know, just a moment of maybe that's just it. It's all worth yeah. it. Maybe that would feel different for each of us, but like, I, I love, I kind of live for those. I, I kind of, it's a, it's a going back down, yeah, back down again, isn't it? And yeah. I, and I, do you know what popped into my head then? It's a, a breath thing. Um, and I've, I've been doing this breath recently. Um, it's called the square breath. And it's that one where you do even regulated breaths in for a count, hold it up the top, breathe it out, down at the bottom for a count. And I was realizing the other day when I did this for 20 minutes or something, um, yeah, you, you kind of, then it starts doing things to your you know, yeah. weird thoughts start popping in. And and I realized that there's a whole thing in that square breath that is a really, it's like, it's like an emotional journey. So when you breathe in, it's like you're kind of getting yourself ready, you're resourcing, you're pulling it all up. And, and then you sit at the top of the breath and it's like that place of, you're kind of in this place of expansion and you're in your open mind and you're receiving all the stuff and then you kind of you you can only do that so long because then obviously then you have to breathe out yeah Ooh. and then the breathing comes out but in the breathing out when you've held it um is that emotional release yes. that is so sweet and then you kind of come down in that emotional release and then you sit at the bottom. It's like you've gone into the earth and you're the waiting. void. You've gone into the void and oh. you're waiting and you're waiting because you know that you have to spend some time down there yes. for the whole thing to start up again. Yeah. And that's the kind of, that's the contained beautiful breathwork version wow. of the of the shit show um, <laughs> that, that we're talking about when it's, when it's out of, you know, out of the box. <laughs> that was amazing. These are the things that happen when I'm talking to Sam, all of a sudden I'm like, that was the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh gosh, that was okay. We're going to close on. That was so cool. Can, let's hang out just for a second talking about the void. Yes. That exhale. There's no air. It feels terrible very quickly to me. I've been practicing with that. I've been sitting with it because um, too many words. Short, short version is that was recommended as a way to start introducing, quote, heat to the body, a way to start building capacity for discomfort, right? right? So there's so many ways to build capacity for discomfort. This is one that everyone can do right this very second, which is exhale all of your air and hold. And then the carbon dioxide starts to build and the system will start to 
panic pretty quickly. And the truth is we can inhale whenever we want. So we're safe. But to practice being in that empty, not knowing, letting the panic happen a little bit longer, litter is is actually doing a thing to build capacity for your whole system. So there's a, you know, that's it's so useful and safe and contained, but mm. part of the work is building capacity for discomfort, especially as sixes, maybe more than other numbers. I do think there is a ton of discomfort. I mean, we've just described it so well. It's before we do things. We do the thing, somehow we're okay. And then after the thing, and there's just, instead of thinking we should be different or fixing that, we want to just build capacity and tools around that so we can do it with a little more ease, a little more self-kindness and just keep doing the thing. Yes. And keep building our devotion. And even, and even have little, little flashes possibly in the buildup or the aftermath of something, um, enjoyable like i've understood there's this thing called excitement that people enjoy (laughs) right yes and i've i've understood that there's this 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 thing you know where people give you you know compliments and they say nice things about something you've done and that's supposed to be enjoyable too well i'm i'm trying to learn i'm trying to learn that And that is another because I thing. I know it's supposed to be good, and and I can feel that it's supposed to be good, and then some part of me makes that frightening too. Yeah, I'll tell you what that my three heart fix has a real twisty deal with that because it's like, look at me, acknowledge me, love me, and then they do, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like choke on it. It's it's a hoot. It's a hoot. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, Sam, I just adore you. This was so wonderful. I've loved this. We're going Thank to you. put, if you will share with me, I will put links to things that you have coming up that people can check out. Oh, that if they're be interested great. in your yeah, work. Yeah, of course. I'd yeah. love that. I Thank had the you. opportunity to do something with Sam in our um certification group. Was that just last weekend? I don't know, a week or two ago. It yeah. was wonderful. Just your, it was so wonderful. I felt, I felt just calm and relaxed and nourished and resourced. Thank you. you I'm so, yeah, no, absolute pleasure. I'm really, I'm happy that happened. It was wonderful. Okay. We, you and I will talk very soon and yeah, that's it. Thanks for coming. Oh, pleasure. Thanks, Thanks, Kristen. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sam and got some ideas of things that you can add to your life immediately, ways to think about things, ways to just hold yourself with some more kindness, maybe. That's always part of my goal here. If you are enjoying the podcast, please rate it. And if you're feeling really generous, leave a review. It really helps others find the podcast. Thank you. Talk to you soon.